Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business news podcast from Business in Vancouver newspaper and BIV.com. I'm Tyler Orton, and today we're going to talk all about that talent crunch with regards to how maybe American perceptions of Canadian immigration policy could actually be fueling more growth, especially in cities like Vancouver. We're going to be joined by Envoy Global's Richard Burke discussing all about this new report delving into American perceptions of Canadian immigration policy. Then later on, Retail Insider's Craig Patterson, he breaks down Lululemon's exceptional quarterly financials, as well as price hikes going on in groceries. And guys, we got to do this. It is April 1st today as we record. So we're going to have a bit of a rundown of all the big brands that are they've been doing some April Fool's jokes so far today and whether or not they've been effective. But first, let's talk all about immigration. So talking to any hiring manager here in Vancouver's tech sector, and they'll tell you that the talent crunch is perhaps the biggest barrier that's impeding growth right now. Canada has been looking outward to fill those gaps, but is the message getting out there to other countries? A new report from Envoy Global it reveals how American perceptions of our immigration policy may influence further growth here at home. Calling in today from Chicago, it is Richard Burke. He's CEO of Envoy Global. Richard, thanks for joining us on the program today. Thank you, Tyler, for having me. So before we dive into the numbers, and there's some fascinating numbers that you guys have produced here in your latest report, but can you tell me maybe anecdotally how American professionals maybe perceive your own immigration policies in terms of drawing global talent to fill in some of the gaps that your country is facing right now? Uh, Happily. So what we do at Envoy Global is we help uh, employers uh, secure work authorization into any country around the world, and then we make certain they stay compliant. So we're fortunate we're one of the biggest players in the United States, and we've with a growing practice in Canada. So we are fortunate to have a very good view. And every year we augment that view uh, by doing a big survey with um, Harris Associates. We go out to 400 HR professionals, um, but equally between publicly traded and private companies, and ask for how uh, all things immigration. Uh, one of the questions we asked is directly responsive to what you just asked, Tyler. We asked, is the U.S. immigration process getting more difficult or less difficult? And we've asked this question four years in a row. And in 2016 and 2017, it was pretty evenly split between those employers who felt that the U.S. immigration process was getting more difficult, less difficult, or almost a tie. In 2019, it was the biggest spread ever, 47% believe the process is getting more difficult, which is two and a half times those who feel that the process is becoming less difficult. Only 18% said less difficult, 47% more difficult. And that's the biggest gulf we've seen in the years we've done it. We know why that happened. The U.S. government um, is making the process much more onerous, adding quite a bit of uncertainty in the eyes of employers. And that counts for this, uh, drove this two and a half, 2.5x spread between internal and external, and which I, we think is making Canada increasingly appealing to U.S. employers. Well, and let's get into that because you guys do have the report out and it says that American companies are increasingly targeting Canada as a future talent hub based in part on our immigration policies. Is Canada being perceived quite favorably right now? Absolutely it is. One of our questions was 
Um, whose immigration policy do you uh, consider to be more favorable? 65% of employers said Canada. Um, and that is growing. Uh, the U.S.'s perception as being friendly is, is shrinking. And we believe that is very conscious by Canada. We help a number of uh, companies go into Canada, and we're increasingly helping Canadian companies procure work authorization into Canada. And um, literally, uh, 65% find Canada to be more appealing. And perhaps more importantly, almost in equal number, 63%, Tyler, uh, of respondents said they're considering expanding into Canada for this very reason. You've got a much more accommodating immigration policy. You've also got terrific universities uh, throughout Canada, most often cited, not surprisingly, is the Kitchener-Waterloo corridor. But uh, those two factors, a favorable uh, immigration policy and strong uh, uh, academic institutions causing well over half of U.S. employers to respond to this survey to consider expanding. So I'll tell you, as a Canadian who grew up in the United States down in the 1990s, I, I don't know if there's that much awareness of Canada, at least at the time that I was living there. Do you think that Canada is doing a much better job at getting its out, its name out there, getting its policies out there, that there's a lot more of the people that need to know know what's going on with regards, at least immigration policy down in the United States? They do. They do. And they do for a few reasons. One, immigration is was uh, President Trump's uh, calling card issue. So the whole issue of immigration has become much more uh, ingrained in people's consciousness. And once you start looking at uh, legal, um, high-skilled immigration, many people are aware of these Canadian initiatives to increase the population in Canada via immigration, to add a aggressive, uh, impressive uh, growth to the population via immigration. Most employers are very much familiar with this um, for that those two reasons. One, the topicality of immigration, the, the challenges in the United States in finding uh, uh, resident-born talent, and also those affirmative steps that the Canadian government is taking to make uh, Canada a hospitable and welcoming uh, place for high-skilled uh, talent. Well, what's fascinating to me, though, is the American economy is doing quite well right now. Do you get the sense from a lot of your clients that growth could be stymied to a certain degree if Americans don't have access to the global talent that it needs to fill in those gaps that can't be met domestically? Without a doubt, that's what's happening. The U.S. government is doing very, very well, uh, particularly when it comes to unemployment. We know that the unemployment rate in the states for uh, people with a college degree is 2.1%. We know there's about 7.3 million jobs in the U.S. that are open, only 6.3 million job seekers. We know that there will be about 4 million folks retiring from the workforce this year. That's, you know, 10,000 a day as the baby boomers age out. And as a result, because of that, U.S. employers are saying, we want to continue growing, but the shortage of uh, qualified talent is scrimping our growth. Our survey expressly asked that question, and about 30% of uh, employers said that challenges in hiring talent are causing either the delay or the cancellation of uh, projects. We help uh, represent a very well-known 
consumer uh, food and beverage company. They needed to produce uh, bottles, plastic bottles to hold their product. And plastic bottles are, uh, in some forms, uh, regards miracles of engineering. They have to be light. They have to be durable. They have to be uh, efficient and economic to produce. They have to meet certain environmental standards. So there's quite a bit of engineering. This company could not get sufficient engineers in the United States because of the combination of a tightening immigration policy and an exp- and a very difficult job market for employers. So they ended up moving the work to, to Mexico. More often than not, the work is moving to Canada as companies seek growth and believe that the Canadian immigration uh, landscape is, like, like I said, much more hospitable and favorable. And I'll tell you as an outsider, and let me know if I'm on the right track here, but I wonder if Canada is in a bit of a unique position in terms of American eyes. If Americans turn to, say, the United Kingdom for, say, uh, expanded growth over there, it's facing the Brexit situation right now. If they look to other English-speaking countries, say Australia, New Zealand, they're pretty far away. Is Canada benefiting much from its cultural position as well as its geographic position to the United States to be able to seize on some of that international talent that the United States needs right now? Very perceptive. There is a cultural advantage that Canada has compared to any other country in the world from the United States perspective. Uh, there is uh, most obviously uh, manifest in the same language. There is a geographic uh, benefit, which Canada feels more so than any, um, uh, even Mexico, because of uh, uh, you know, time zone, uh, frequency of flight, ease of transfer from one border to the other. Uh, and then there's also the political, that while you know, just today the Trump administration is talking about shutting off the border with Mexico. That'll give many employers pause about uh, investing into and expanding into Mexico. Uh, relations with Canada are much warmer than they are relative to relations with Mexico. So there's a cultural reason, a geographic reason, and a political reason. And I'd add a, a fourth reason, Tyler, educational. Those schools, uh, University of Waterloo, uh, you know, Vancouver has excellent schools, Toronto, Montreal. That is a fourth uh, meaningful driver of the uh, benefits that Canada has relative to anyone else. Well, we're talking a lot about maybe American perceptions right now, but from your own work at Envoy Global, telling me you've been getting into you know more business with Canada. What has your own experience been like working with, say, you know, the Canadian side of the immigration uh, policy? What, what uh, do you notice? Kind of the differences between the U.S. and Canada right now, personally? Very, very much so. A, a couple points, Tyler. First of all, we. Uh, our experience in Canada comes in two contexts. One is helping U.S. companies who are seeking to grow. They Usually their first country of expansion is Canada for those four reasons we just said. So we get quite a bit of experience. We've helped over a 1,000, done, done over a 1,000 cases into Canada. So that gives us a unique perspective. We're also seeing uh, uh, increasingly Canadian companies. Canadian companies are growing, particularly in the startup scene. The uh, scene in Toronto is very, very vibrant, as it is in Vancouver. And those companies are increasingly attracting U.S. venture capital, uh, U.S. private equity, and as importantly, Canadian venture capital and private equity. And as they grow, they're saying, wow, you've, you, Envoy, have a solution that works very well. Um, you've got experience by virtue of helping 
uh, companies uh, move into Canada, help us grow as well. So we're increasingly uh, helping Canadian companies seeking to bring folks into uh, Canada. We're also helping, there are a couple uh, retained and uh, contingent search firms whose express model is to take advantage of Canada's liberal, re- relatively liberalized immigration policies. And they'll say to Canadian uh, <clears throat> employers, we will get for you high-skilled uh, foreign national talent. We will partner with Envoy to secure the work authorization, and you'll be able to quickly and efficiently and uh, skillfully fill your open positions. Interestingly, um, CBRE, the big real estate firm, did a survey, and they found that Toronto added more um, technology positions uh, last year than the Bay Area, Seattle, in Washington, D.C. combined. So think of that. Wow. And I, I'd like to imagine, especially here in Vancouver, that we could get some of that runoff effect uh, as we get American companies looking outward, seeing where they can fill in some of those gaps. And Richard, uh, your company did some really interesting reporting on this, and I, I want to thank you for joining us on the program today. Well, thank you for having me. You're exactly right about Vancouver. Uh, it and Toronto are, we, are where we are seeing the most uh, interest in, in, in action. Proximity to Asia, strong Asian connection in Vancouver. Uh, obviously, entertainment uh, is very big for the U.S. Uh, going into Vancouver. So delighted to be able to join. And uh, we're out of those winter months, so hopefully those Americans will uh, give us a second look uh, as we move from uh, spring and into summer now, too. I can assure you they're looking. <laughs> uh, I can promise you that. Excellent. Thanks, Richard. That's Richard Burke, CEO of Envoy Global. Stay with us. Craig Patterson from RetailInsider.com. He joins us next to talk about Lululemon and more. And with us to talk all about the latest news in retail. This is going to be a fun episode because I don't know if you've heard, but it is April Fool's today. Uh, It's Craig Patterson, Editor-in-Chief, RetailInsider.com. Craig, thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. Okay, so I don't think we want to bury the lead here. It is, in fact, April 1st, 2019, as we record this. And we always expect some brands to get in on the jokes. What's popping out to you today, Craig? There's some interesting ones, and they're coming out of Vancouver. Uh, Indochino uh, sent out a press release that said they were going to be uh, making custom-made pajamas from the linings of their suits. And, uh, you know, I know it was a bit of a joke, but when I uh, got the pitch last week, I mean, we knew it was going to be a joke. It's... uh, I actually thought it was kind of a good idea. Uh, same thing with Kit and Ace. They came out with one on uh, pet clothing, basically. Uh, you know, it would be kind of technical like the rest of Kit and Ace. And I thought, well, actually, I mean, maybe this is a good idea. <laughs> well, it, it's curious because, like, whenever these April 1st jokes happen, a lot of people might complain or, you know, say that it, it takes a hit on the credibility of these companies. Is that really the case? Like, do these brands ever hurt because maybe there's an April 1st joke that doesn't go quite right? Well, in the case of Indochino and Kittenese, definitely not. Um, you know, I think it was fairly obvious that they were jokes, and it certainly made sense. Uh, uh, and in fact, like I said, I think it might not have been bad ideas. However, uh, you know, WestJet sent one today about the Fly Festival, and, uh, you know, basically, you know, they're <laughs> you know, saying they're going to be flying into a festival. We know that the Fly Festival, uh, you know, ended in a lot of criminal charges, fraud, and we've heard a lot of news about people getting stranded uh, with vacation providers, and yeah. my first thought, I just cringe. I cringed when I saw that, and I thought, oh my god, WestJet! Like you know, there is such thing as WestJet vacations, and you know, I don't know. Something just, I feel like they just missed the mark with this. And you know, it's Calgary-based WestJet. They're flying around Western Canada and all over the world now. 
uh, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes you got to be careful what you uh, mock. And I think that there was a little, little tone deaf. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, however, there was one I got from a condominium uh, website uh, based in uh, central Canada that was pretty amazing. It was a dog condominium. The prices were absolutely outrageous and made perfect sense for the city of Toronto. 10000 a square foot. And I thought, yeah, I know this is foreshadowing, not a joke. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to feel it uh, over here in Vancouver, too. But it's interesting how people love to uh, do stuff for the pets, especially on April 1st. I, I cover the technology beat at the newspaper and Roku was asking me if I wanted to do like a, a fake news story, which I don't know if we can really do that as journalists. So uh, we had to decline, but they were saying, hey, we're going to have streaming services for pets complete with a TV remote designed for pets as well. So I don't know, it's something about pets that people really cling on to, and especially with April 1st. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even think it'd have to be a joke. These are things that we might actually see down the road to some degree. I, I doubt we want our pets taking over our TV channels, but who knows, right? I mean, the future is an interesting one technology-wise. Yeah, just think about how some of the most popular like YouTube channels are essentially like kitty cams where just people watch cats walk around all day. So that's uh, an interesting <laughs> one. And then Craig, I, my memory is going a little bit. I Maybe you can help me out with this, but did, was it WestJet that maybe last year, the year before, they actually had a good April 1st joke where I think they announced that they're going to rebrand as Canadian Airlines, you know, that old defunct airline that uh we, we knew so well as the second largest carrier uh, way back in the day like uh, i like that to me was like actually a good funny joke because it made people pause you go look at the twitter outrage and you kind of see oh some people aren't in on it and it, it's like a ridiculous funny sort of joke yeah, yeah. i mean some people will believe anything i mean i think we've seen that with uh, you know the u.s election and otherwise but yeah no <laughs> i think there's differing degrees of, uh, you know, believability and there's, uh, you know, some people are more gullible than others. Well, if we are talking about, say, you mentioned Kitten Ace, uh, why don't we talk to one of their, uh, not quite a sibling company, but a related company uh, from the same founder. Uh, Lululemon shares went soaring last week after posting its latest financial results. If you look at their fourth quarter profit, it, it just skyrocketed 82% compared to the same period last year, landing at $218 million U.S., the question is, is, Craig, where is this big growth coming from at this point in Lululemon's history? It's interesting because, you know, it's domestic growth and, you know, the company is also growing internationally. And uh, it's still, I mean, I don't want to say it, so it surprises me how popular Lululemon is, but it seems to have a cult following. I mean, it's got a great product, but the prices are, you know, much higher than uh, you know, a lot of other fashion brands. And, uh, you know, given the, the strength that we're seeing as Lululemon expands globally, is to me quite surprising and maybe it's because i'm not their customer uh you know i i've got a few pieces they were gifts uh and uh you know i think certain people will wear lululemon and apparently it's a lot of people well the thing that i keep wondering though is have they started to master or tune into the idea of this sustainable growth as opposed to trying to expand everywhere all at once and facing a lot of troubles there and we, we saw that say with kit and ace for example have they kind of figured out the right formula about how to master growth at this point? I think so. I mean, Lululemon's been quite successful in every market that it's expanded into. And I mean, if you think about it, as long as they're able to maintain their brand popularity, they're able to, you know, saturate, at least say the continent, for example, with stores. I mean, they're very much a direct-to-consumer brand in terms of, you know, it's, they do this through Lululemon stores. You don't see Lululemon products, you know, at your local base or whatever. You know, it's uh, it's very focused, which is why they've got these higher profits. They're not paying a retail middleman to distribute their uh, 
uh, merchandise. But you know, I I, I think for brands uh, like you know like Canada Goose and like Lululemon and you know, funny enough, they're all Canadian that are you know growing like crazy and have this popularity. Um, there's probably actually a lot more room for growth for Lululemon, which I think is quite tremendous. It, maybe it'll buy some stock. <laughs> Well, at this point, you know, we've had the new CEO for a number of quarters. You know, is it fair for him to begin putting his own stamp on the good results? Is he still just kind of the shepherd for where the company was already going? What's your take right now? I think it's a little bit of both. I think that the company was on a great trajectory, but I think Calvin, uh, um, you know, is a, is a visionary. I mean, they were probably brilliant to hire him. He he himself has an, has an image that's, you know, quite interesting, I think, and is also right on brand. And, uh, you know, I would actually, I think, encourage him to, uh, uh, you know, add some innovation. I mean, don't reinvent the wheel. Uh, Lululemon, obviously, is very successful as uh, it is with its current concept. But, you know, certainly to be a bit experimental, I think, and look to the future, uh, perhaps some sort of tech, maybe dogs are involved. <laughs> maybe not, but... Um, you know, uh, yeah, no, I, I think that there is room for innovation. And in fact, you know, Chip Wilson, the founder, I think would very much encourage that. I think he's uh, uh, always encouraging uh, innovation, whether or not Lululemon will listen, you know, is another story altogether. I know there's been a bit of a rift within the company and, you know, uh, there's been a few battles there. Well, jumping into something that I think touches everybody, though, is, of course, grocery. There's a couple of stories that we want to jump on here. Uh, the Globe and Mail, they're reporting that there are three major grocers that are in the midst of raising prices. What's behind this increase that's going on right now, Craig? Oh, I think it's a combination of factors. It's getting more expensive to operate. Uh, you know, with, uh, say, gas prices, for example, uh, um, overall production costs of food, and then, uh, you know, the I guess the logistics comes around it, which, you know, I think gas prices would have something to do with that. Um, You know, we are seeing inflation in the country. And, uh, you know, I think that's starting to be reflected on food. Uh, uh, You know, there's also, you know, increased demand. I think it's actually quite a complicated uh, situation, but uh, it's not necessarily good for consumers, obviously. Well, the thing that I keep wondering, though, is we have increased pressure on, say, some of the Canadian incumbent grocers from the likes of, say, Walmart or Amazon as well. Are the margins getting even thinner at this point for the grocers if they want to stay competitive uh, in this particular market here in Canada? Yes, and and sort of. Um, You know, certainly grocers that are competing on price, uh, you know, the margins can be very thin and, um, you know, any competition can be a challenge. Uh, to that. And uh, we are seeing a lot of interesting grocers coming in that are doing things a bit differently. And they're not necessarily competing on price. They're competing in other areas. And, you know, again, this is still because, you know, in theory, we only eat so much. I mean, in theory, right? And <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Um, but, uh, um, you know, so we would say there's a finite pie. And that's actually a good word to use in this case. And, uh, um, you know, if we're starting to cut that pie with, you know, for example, zero waste grocery stores, which is something that I think is going to be more of a phenomenon than we realize. And, you know, organic grocery stores, specialty grocery stores, we're starting to see these popping up across Canada. And uh, I think this is a real threat to your, you know, Loblaws, for example. Well, let's get into that a little bit, because uh, down on Broadway, there is a, a zero waste grocer that launched in Vancouver. And I, I'm wondering what the ultimate goal is and how they're appealing to people just based on what you've seen so far as these kinds of deals expand or not deals, but these sorts of business uh, strategies expand across the country. I think it's interesting because, I mean, it's bringing awareness to the amount of waste that's produced, uh, uh, you know, and required, I guess, for the packaging and whatnot that, uh, you know, we get with our groceries. So, you know, I'm thinking I, I do, I just take down so much recycling of packaging from 
when I buy groceries, there's no, gro- you know, where, where I am, there isn't a store near me that, uh, you know, is zero waste. So I ended up, I think, creating a lot of waste, unfortunately. That's almost everyone in Canada. So, you know, in Vancouver, uh, you have the first zero waste grocery store in the country. Uh, maybe it's not as outlandish as people think. When I, when I first heard about it, I thought, oh, goodness, this isn't going to take. But then we've seen the few open across Canada. And uh, we're seeing them quite busy. They're getting a lot of press coverage on top of that. So, um, you know, given that we're seeing legislation coming forth from different provinces, you know, trying to ban, for example, single-use plastic bags and, uh, you know, even single-use plastics like straws and water bottles, perhaps, uh, all of this might end up having us uh, shopping to a degree, at least in the zero-waste uh, space, even perhaps at those bigger grocery stores. Uh, I think it remains to be seen, you know, if legislation comes in that says Loblaws can't have uh, you know, a lot of bags, uh, you know, single-use bags to put your vegetables into or something like that. I don't know. We may see a transition in how we shop. I, I'm still going to be wondering how I transport my eggs without a carton. Like, there's got to be something out there that uh, will, will produce zero waste but allow me to get them home without getting cracked, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Bring your own carton or something like that. I yeah. mean, I don't know what the practicality around that is. Often when I get groceries, it's when I've got a moment and I'm between meetings or something. So I'm not really carrying around bags and cartons and God only knows what else you would need jars, I suppose, if you're getting serving certain things. So, uh, you know, again, the practicality around it, I don't know. I mean, I'd love to see this succeed, but, uh, you know, for certain people, uh, you know, this is going to be a challenge. I mean, for some people, groceries, you know, is a real focused effort once a week. They drive to the local grocery store and for other people, they're doing it almost every day and they're in within their neighborhood. So I think as long as those habits can be created, even for those shoppers that are, uh, you know, going constantly to the grocery store, perhaps that's going to reduce waste. I mean, it's certainly an admirable uh, concept. Yeah, you know, Craig, I I fall into the latter camp that you're speaking about there. Uh, For me, I mean, I've got uh, three grocery stores that I typically go to. They're typically either between my home and my office or else, you know, just uh, maybe the community center that I often go to. And I stop by when I have time. I, I usually don't plan it ahead. I think if there's more pressure, let's say there's an all-out ban on, say, plastic bags, I am probably going to have to do more to plan ahead. I'm, j- I'm just wondering how that's going to ultimately impact a lot of the habits that people have when it comes to doing groceries here in Canada moving forward. I think habits can be created. I mean, we've got habits now that you know, never existed decades ago, uh, you know, be it tech use or otherwise. So I think that, you know, this could translate over to how we shop for groceries. So. I would never, uh, you know, underestimate this sort of thing in terms of maybe at some point uh, a company will develop some sort of, you know, pressure sealed system where we'll have a little package we carry around in a bag and it can deflate to create some sort of thing that you can shop with. I, I don't know. I mean, a lot of smart people that they're developing a lot of interesting technologies. So I think it remains to be seen. But I think once people develop habits, they can keep them. So, or at least that's the theory. Yeah, I know weight loss has been a challenge for many of them. Well, uh, I'll just say this, that pressure sealed bag you're speaking of, uh, some people might confuse that with an April Fool's joke uh, just for today. So uh, we'll hold off on <laughs> going into further details for now. And I was being serious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> of course. Well, Craig, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. That's Craig Patterson, editor-in-chief at RetailInsider.com. And that's it for the show today. We're going to be back on Tuesday. For now, you can find our archives on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Share with your friends. Leave five stars. It's going to help more people find the show. For now, I'm Tyler Orton. Thank you for listening.